church, in so many ways we have just sung our prayer. But for this time of prayer now as we turn, um, we're going we're gonna to read this prayer together in one voice. Um, so the words will be on the screen. Let's, let's pray. Oh God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you in church. Good to see the seats filled. I'm supposed to be up here and motivate you to volunteer for serving this church. Um, it's not hard. It's not, you know, there's no problems. There's all kinds of jobs. As you can tell, we are from the well. This young lady came to me and says, how can I help you? What can I do? And I said, you can teach the people how to do things, but look at that smile. Now, how could anybody refuse that smile? That reminded me is when I first started years ago, Charles Payne asked me to help greet at the doors and do things. And I said, I didn't know anybody. I wasn't sure. And he said, the smile you have on your face will answer when they come through the door. So I always try to smile to everybody. Uh, but there's other multiple jobs. We've got doors back here, doors over here. But we have people that come in with walkers, wheelchairs, can't get these doors open. So somebody could just easily go to those doors and open them doors when them people come so they can get in and out. It's just a simple thing. We have one man that goes up towards the top. Jim Carsey, 95 years old, and yet he greets you at that door. So I'm just trying to put in your mind, give you different things to focus on, different points to understand that every job is available. You can be a, a welcome meter right to this door back here. So I would just like for you to think it over and just go back and look at the stuff on the board They'd be more than welcome to let anybody volunteer. And it doesn't take hardly any of your time. But God has gave each one of you a gift of your own. Use that gift that God gave you for a purpose. Okay. She's still smiling, see? <laughs> It's not plastered on. That's her natural re response to everybody. This young lady decided she helps. She can make the coffee. She puts how many scoops, gets it all already, but I will not let her get near the hot stuff. So the young kids come up there, and they ask if they could have some hot chocolate. She showed them how to put half a cup of water, hot water, put your hot chocolate in, stir it in so it doesn't come out all over the cup and all over the counter, then adds the rest of the hot water. She's phenomenal. She'd be anybody's helper. 
And we are a multicultural facilities here. We've got young kids, youth, college kids, all the way around. So there's not a reason that we can't cover everything that needs done for God's purpose. And I would like to invite each and every one of you, if you want to go to the well, Lisa Spurlock is the one that's in charge of all that. Now, I worked 15 years at the city, and I made coffee at 5 o'clock every morning for the whole crew. So I get to make the coffee, but they get to do all the work. They order all the stuff. They get the parts in. So if you want to try to volunteer in the well, trust me, all you got to do is know how to make coffee. If not, I can teach you in a heartbeat. <laughs> I just want to thank every one of you that comes to this church. And I want you to know and understand that I love every one of you. And God loves you way more. God bless you all. Thank you, Terry and Finley. I think I, I've learned the trick of pastoring here and preaching here. And I waited until my last Sunday to do it. I'm just going to, I just need to have Finley stand next to me and smile. And it keeps all of your attention. We do appreciate. And if Terry can't teach you how to make the coffee, Finley can teach you how to make the coffee. We do have a place for you, whether you're 5 or 95. There's a place to serve, and we hope that you find it. We appreciate all that you do. Well, it's um, my last Sunday here in April of 2014. Uh, Spencer and I moved up to Marysville and moved into an apartment. And I can't remember what the apartment complex was called, but just a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, Terry was up here on Sundays, and, and she was still working in, in Westchester or, or in, in Sharonville. And we were still living in Fairfield. And Dylan was finishing up his senior year of high school at the, the Butler school, Tech School of the Arts. And so it's just me and Spencer up here. And, and we came and to our new congregation and began to get to know you. We, we'd met. We'd, we'd had a meet and greet, just like you did with Pastor Brian. And we, we had done some things like that. I'd met with the board. But, but I wasn't officially your pastor until after you voted. And after you voted, then the first person I met in this congregation was Terry Moore. And I met Terry Moore at Riverside Hospital the Saturday night before my first sermon here. And I went and, and visited somebody. Betty Mosley was in the hospital and Terry Moore was there. And he was ministering to the family. And immediately I said, I'm going to be okay here if there's people like Terry Moore here. And so I have a great appreciation and love for Terry. And it's fitting that, that he did the connection moment this last Sunday that I was here. But as, as I began to minister to you and I, I walked with you in the hospital, highs and the lows. There's a things you know, the pastors get to do that, and we see the best things and the worst things. We, we see when things are going bad and when things are going well, and, and there's nothing like it. Uh, I got to know and, and love you, and I believe that, that you love me, and over the last eight years, you've learned I'm not perfect, and I've learned you're not perfect. <laughs> and, and the good news is this, God uses available people not perfect people. And so he calls us to be available, and that's one of the things Terry's talking about, just being available for God to use. So we're in the middle of another transition, and Brian, Pastor Brian and Amy are coming. They're great people. Terry and I have known them for a long time, and we, we love them. You're going to love them, and I think they're a great fit for you. And the question's, what's next for Terry and I? You know, I didn't say this, but I do appreciate all my family that's here. 
Um, my boys are here, and I appreciate that. And I don't want to talk about that too much because I don't want this to be emotional. But I appreciate my family here. And my, my cousin Vivian came all the way from Barberville, Kentucky. Let's give her a hand. That's a long drive. And so um, what's next for Terry and I? Some of you have used the phrase retirement. Well, my new boss, Tony Eufinger, was in the first service, and I had to tell him, Tony, I'm not going to your office to retire. I'm going to work. And frankly, I'm a little bit afraid of retirement. I've, I've watched how some of you folks have retired, and it seems like you work harder when you retire than when you're not retiring. So I think I'm just going to keep working so Terry can't give me all sorts of jobs. I've never felt like I'm leaving the ministry. Um, I, I feel like it's just a transition, that it's, it's something new. It's a new ministry. Eight years ago, I left an old congregation, Trenton, Grace Point, to a new congregation. So who's my new congregation? Who, who's the people that God's calling me to minister to? Um, I've said often that, that I am an introvert, and, and people laugh at that because I get up in front and talk. Introverts can stand in front of people and talk. I can have personal conversations, but, but big social mixers where there's a bunch of people and most of them that I don't know, I'm awful at. I, you know, it, it's like, you know, I, I, it's very difficult for me in those settings. And, and so Tony asked me and Matt to go to the realtor's breakfast in town and is it Boston. So I went over there and, and Matt Smith, the other lawyer in the office, was supposed to be there and he didn't show up. And so I sent him a real lovely, loving text of why he was not there, had left me on my own. And he responded and said, ah, it's just your new congregation. And I thought there's a lot of truth to that, this new congregation. They didn't let me pray. <laughs> they didn't let me serve communion. They didn't let me take an offering. <laughs> but I was still Pastor Paul, just in a different way. Uh, it's Pentecost Sunday, and it's, it's fitting that my last Sunday here is Pentecost Sunday. My first Sunday here was Palm Sunday uh, eight years ago, and now my last Sunday will be Pentecost Sunday. And, you know, trying to find that last Sunday, it just felt right for the, the timing of it, and then it ended up being perfect for the timing of Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian will be here June 19th, I believe, and so you have a one-week gap. What a perfect timing, and I believe God's been involved in that. But, but I think it's perfectly fitting for what I believe God's calling me to do in my life and what he's calling you to do in your life. You know, Pentecost Sunday, Jesus has been crucified. Uh, he's been buried. He's dead and buried. Then he, he's risen from the dead, and he spends 40 days with the disciples. We have all these stories of him appearing with the disciples, and, and he gives them the Great Commission. He sends them on this mission, and then they send him to Jerusalem, and they wait for 10 days. And then Acts 2, beginning in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And there suddenly came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And so we have this upper room scene, and we have this great thing going on in the upper room. And, it, and the implication is, in the passage, that they take the party outside. That, that they go outside, and they begin celebrating worship, preaching, and, and, and those who gather hear them in their own language. People from all over the world in their own language, they hear them, and Peter speaks, and God moves. It's the Great Commission in action. On Pentecost 
Sunday. It's the Great Commission in action through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Pentecost, it's appropriate to talk about what, what is the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and there's all sorts of things you see the Holy Spirit involved in. And, and it's true that it's involved, the Holy Spirit is involved. He's involved in these things. You know, some people believe that the Holy Spirit's all about worship. And it's, it gives you the ability to worship. It's a worship gift. And, and worship is good, but the Holy Spirit is more than a worship gift. In our tradition, oftentimes we isolate it to this personal piety gift that the Holy Spirit is, is, this, is the individual and the Trinity that, that, that changes me and gives me this, this, this personal piety in my life. Can, can I tell you the Holy Spirit's better more than the best nicotine patch ever? He's more than that. If, if the Holy Spirit is just about good people singing good songs together, that's not enough. There's no great commission. See, our enemy is perfectly happy if we remain a group of good people singing in a nice sanctuary by ourselves with, not, with no impact on our community. See, God's move was not complete in the upper room. The upper room was comfortable. It was emotional. There was a spiritual high. They felt good and safe in the upper room. But Pentecost is not about the upper room. Pentecost is about the new congregation. God moves his people out of the comfort of the upper room to the streets. And they're speaking the language of the people. That's the purpose of Pentecost. One of my favorite stories is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch for so many ways. We don't have time to go into this story. This story is unbelievable what God does with Philip. I can relate to the story of Philip. In, in the story of Philip, he's in this great revival service in, in Samaria and God says, hey, I want you to go and sit by this road and wait. He's moving from the comfortable and the known to the unknown. He's moving from doing to waiting, from revival service. You know, it's in, in a lot of ways, I feel like that, 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 that I'm leaving what I've known, how I've known to minister to a desert road, waiting for something new, waiting for God to move. In, in a lot of ways, in Terry and I's life, we, we don't know what's next. I, we, we don't know what ministry is going to look like in the future, and we, we believe there's more things in, in, in store for us, but we don't know, and we're just kind of waiting, and, and we're depending on God to do something and say, hey, Paul, here's where. You understand, though, this is how our God rolls. <laughs> our God doesn't always lay everything out neatly and plainly and clearly. He doesn't always give us just roadmaps of where he wants us to be. Sometimes God just sends us, and we have to wait for God to move. Now, in my life, I'm a no-alarm person. I, I, I never have alarms wake me up. As a matter of fact, if I set the alarm, I worry all night, and it keeps me up that the alarm's going to go off and wake up Terry. And so I'm waking up on the hour, making sure what time it is, and usually shut it off before it goes off. Well, Terry's an alarm person. And the other day, I got up, I'd worked out, and, you know, she, she was... Not, she doesn't get up as early as me. She stays up later than me. She's night owl. I'm early person. And, and so her alarm was going off. And I, I was just kind of watching, and her alarm was going beep, 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 
beep, beep. It was the most quiet alarm, and I just stood and watched for about 10 minutes as she just slept, and that alarm went off. Get up, Terry. Need to get up, Terry. And so finally, after about 10 minutes, I said, dear, your alarm's going off. I think you're going to have to turn it up if you want it to wake you up. You know, I wonder what kind of alarm God has to raise in our life to get us moving. The truth is that that oftentimes we can sit passively and we can just wait, and and God has to move us. He has to nudge us. I I love the story of Philip because it's just a gentle nudge. It doesn't seem like God has to do much. He just, hey, Philip, I need you to go and wait, and Philip goes. I, I love the nudge he gives Peter. Peter's on a roof, and And he dreams about bacon and lobster. (laughs) And I call that a yummy nudge. I wish God would give me some nudges like that, don't you? And then we have the Jerusalem church, and it's persecution. It's a kick in the pants. But God moves his people. How's God moving you? Can we go back to Philip? Who's Philip? The story of Philip, Philip's a, a steward. He wasn't one of the apostles. There were seven stewards, and, and the story of Philip, how he became in law, involved in, in leadership, is that the apostles, they had this problem with the Grecian widows, and they weren't being fed. They were being left out, and, and so they say, we need, we don't have time. We're too busy studying the Bible to deal with this. In other words, we're too busy with the work of the church to deal with people. And so they appoint these seven stewards, and and these become significant people in the life of the church. The first martyr is Stephen. He's a steward. And then there's Philip. And they stay in connection with people. They're relational, and they're serving. And see, here's the problem. We can be so busy with the work of the church that we can miss the move of the kingdom. The God's moving all around us, and we're so centered on what we're doing here, we miss the move of God. See, the move of God is always deeply involved with people, relationships. Not just relationships in here. I'm thankful for the relationships here, but the relationships in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. So my invitation for you this morning is find your part. You have a part here. We we need you to serve here. This isn't saying, hey, don't serve at church. We need you here. But also... You have a part in God's move in your family. You have a part in God's move in your workplace. You have a part in God's work in your neighborhood. You have a part in God's work in your school. Find it. I appreciate Stephanie put on the back wall what has been my life first for probably close to 20 years now, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I wonder, what, what if you just did what the first part of this verse says in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this church. There's many, many, many great people in this church. They love you. They've loved me. They love their community. Lord, I've seen 
how they can move, how can they can care for others. I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless them. That as Pastor Brian and Amy come, Lord, you will bless their ministry. And, Lord, great days are in store for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. But, Lord, we're not just praying for great days for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. But, Lord, we're praying that you expand our vision for our community. That, Lord, as Marysville is blessed, you will bless through this church. That, that you will move through this church. Lord, that, that we will not be content with great ministries in these walls, great services in this room, great connections in this place. But Lord, we will be consumed by your mission, allowing you to move fresh and new in this place. Now, Lord, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And all God's people said, Paul, you can come back up, and, and Terry, and Spencer, too. Spencer, come on up. We did this to them in the first service, too. David, David and Becky Eichhorn uh, were privileged to present a special gift to Paul's family of gift cards. They had them arranged like flowers. And all of you participated in that, and we are very grateful for that. It was a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. And we have another gift that was uh, a suggestion from someone very dear to Paul. And we're going to present that to them right now in appreciation for his faithfulness as a servant of God and for a symbol of the prayers that we have for him as he moves into his new area of ministry, that God will bless that as well. It's, it's a picture of the USS Boeing, Bedoin, that his father served on in the Navy. And it's just really a, it was a USS, it was an escort carrier. Appreciate you, Paul. We love you guys. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do just a couple more things uh, to to honor and recognize Pastor Paul as they uh, as they wrap up their time here. And so, um, as Paul beautifully said in his sermon, um, we very much see this as. Um, a sending out, right? It's not an end to ministry. It's just ministry that is going to look a little bit different. And so uh, just to, to hear Pastor Paul preach for the past uh, few years about uh, seeking justice and what that looks like to be involved in the community and then to watch him do that has been really awesome. And so as we, uh, as we send him, we're going to do what we, a fancy word, we, we call commissioning, right? We're going to pray a prayer of commissioning where we are sending uh, Pastor Paul out to a new ministry. And so uh, we're going to invite Pastor Paul and the family, um, brothers, siblings, whoever. We're going we're gonna to invite you up here. We're going to kneel here at the altar. And, uh, and, and we're just going gonna to pray, but uh, we want the entire congregation to kind of be involved. So first, um, if there are 
uh, board members in the sanctuary. If the board members will come up. They don't know. If they weren't in first service, they don't know we're doing that. But board members, uh, come on up. The board has played a significant role in this transition process as we end one pastoral role and we, we usher in a new one. The, the board has played a significant role, and so uh, we want you guys to be involved in this. And then uh, we're going to ask family members if you guys want to come up as well, um, but also the congregation, if you want to come up uh, and we're just going to pray over Pastor Paul and the family as we send them off um, just a way that we can uh, we can, we can can recognize the time that they've been here, but also what is next uh, for them. And so family, yeah, you, family, you can make your way. And then as they come up, congregation, if you guys want to fill in as well, that would be awesome. If you if you don't want to come up, that's okay. Maybe just as we're praying, just an outreach arm, uh, just to signify that you're, we're, we're praying for them uh, as well. God, we are so thankful uh, for your for your love, for your grace, for your kingdom work that has happened here in Marysville because of Pastor Paul and his ministry. And we are thankful for the the time and the commitment that him and his family have given to this church. We thank, we're thankful that you sent them our way. And God, now as we send them off to what is next, what is new. God, we pray that you would go with them, that your Holy Spirit would guide them in their in, in their new ministry as Pastor Paul takes on a new role that looks different. God, we recognize still his call to pastor, but in a different way. And so, God, we pray that you would use him in his new role as lawyer. God, we pray uh, that your love and your grace would flow through him, even as he's meeting with clients in his office, phone calls, things like that. God, even then, your love and your grace would pour out of him. That he would be seen as not just a lawyer, but also pastor. God, as he goes, like Romans 12 tells us, in his eating, sleeping, going to work, everyday life, God, that he would be obedient and offer his life as a sacrifice to you, God. Ultimately, not for any glory of anyone else, but except but but the glory of you. That your kingdom would grow because of that. God, again, we thank you for the time that we have had here. And we pray that as Paul and the family goes, God, that you you would bless them, you would keep them, your spirit would guide them as they go. In Jesus' name we pray.